0: listening to the next report episode number 40 of the next report unix and overlook pop culture my goodness 40 episodes 40 episodes oh man 10 more until oh my goodness we've been doing this for about a year right nearly a year
1: it's been pretty much right at a year it looks like
0: um lots of stuff has happened And we looked at some of the things from last year. Um, And now we're going to look forward to uh, the new year. So, like, wow, I'm still... This is still kind of, like, amazing. Like, how many podcasts have you run into where you're getting into it and you're listening to it, and then suddenly... There's no more episodes, and they're gone, doing something else now. It's quite a few. Um, that, that says something making it this far. That's pretty cool.
1: Definitely. I mean, there's some even where they, uh, they'll get rolling, and then all of a sudden they'll update so infrequently that it might as well be dead at that point.
0: But the, but the good news is we're still here, and we are looking forward in 2014 with some predictions. Um, By the way, I'm Thomas. I'm Stephen Kelly. And I'm the other Stephen, Stephen Tompkins. Stephen Shaggy Tompkins. (laughs) But, um, yeah, uh, right now we've been, we're looking at some stuff that we think may go down starting in 2014. It'll either pretty much happen or the ball will get rolling on this. And It's just based on stuff we've seen from, you know, last year and previous years and things like that. And one of the things we were talking about is some, you know, some earth-shattering stuff in technology and how it's been changing quite a bit. One of the things I see happening right now is, like, low-power devices and computing, they're becoming powerful enough, yet sipping... Electrical power, I, I see that kind of taking off, really taking off, especially with Google's Chrome-based devices and everything else. I've, have, I've got a Chromebook, and all, all I think it needs are a few more tweaks, and it'll be ready for regular consumption, not that it isn't being consumed already. Um, like, thoughts on this? What do you think's happening in that realm of things right now?
1: Well, I mean, if, if my uh, if my laptop ever breaks or anything, I'm probably going to go with something like what you, you're running over there because, <clears throat> to be honest, the only thing I use my laptop for is putting stuff up on my blog and, surf, like, surfing the Internet, basically. I don't play games on it or anything. It's not, you know, I don't need a gaming laptop for the most part, so... I think, you know, for me, something like that or a tablet is going to be the way to go. And I think anymore, you know, the prices are coming down to the point where they're affordable and you're not just getting some awful netbook like they had there for a while. (laughs) Like, so I know they had ones there for a bit that were, like, glorified cell phones, like huge cell phones, basically, you know, circa 2009 or something, and they ran horribly. But, you know, now you can get ones that actually are optimized for the internet and actually run well, so it's looking good for that kind of stuff.
0: Um, like, we talked about in a couple of episodes ago about the Raspberry Pi, um, how people are doing all kinds of things, crazy things with them, even adding webcams, putting together robots with them. Tablets. Uh, even a tablet they're, they put together with, with one, with the cool wood casing or wood themed casing. Was that actual wood they used, or?
2: Yes, that's actual wood. I don't remember the type of wood. I'd have to look it up again, but it is actual wood. He used a uh, like a uh, um, what's it called? It's a specific um, specific brand of knives.
0: Wow. So, I you know we we talked about Chromecast a little bit last time too. Those type of things that are that's going to kind of enable this type of stuff, I see I see more mobile-type devices that can t- turn into stationary desktop workstations with peripherals. I, I think peripheral markets are going to be taking off because of all this, because now people are like, oh, wow, what else can we do in as tight and compact of a space as we possibly can? And maybe even machines get more powerful because now they're going to actually push them to their full potential. Because let's face it, I have a desktop that we record this on. It's got 8 gigabytes of RAM. It's got a video card that has 1 gigabyte of RAM inside of it. And the only thing that can really, really push this machine is some hardcore games, uh, virtualization, and emulation of other entire systems. And that's really the only thing that can push it to its full potential at the moment. So, And it gets to the point where people are like, well, what's the point of having something this powerful if all I do is jump on Facebook all the time, or jump on Twitter? So I'm honestly seeing that happening. And and the gaming sector, I see kind of changing, too. As well as, um, you know, you're going to see more issues worldwide with uh, other groups, extremist groups and everything else. Um, which one shall we do first after this? I kind of jumped in there. I'll,
2: you mentioned the gaming sector on low power, lower powered devices. I don't know if uh, you guys have looked at anything uh, about the NVIDIA Shield. Huh. It's basically like a little phone. Uh, I didn't really do much research on it, but I, I've got the page up right now. Um uh, and uh, one of the capabilities that's in, like in big letters uh, on Google is you can stream games from your gaming p- PC if you have an NVIDIA graphics card to your NVIDIA Shield, which is basically like, it's, it's a little Android tablet thing with a controller attached to it. And uh, I think that's pretty crazy. Let's
1: see what I That's pretty crazy looking. Well, that, that streaming stuff seems like that's uh, a big thing now because uh, the PlayStation 4, I know, you can uh, if you have a PS Vita, you can do a similar thing to that where you can basically... The PS4 acts like the main processing unit and then it streams the games in the handheld. So that that's kind of a technological thing. You know, they've been hinting at for a while. I remember there was this... Uh, like vaporware game console called the phantom and that was supposed to do something like that that was a if you want to look up something ridiculous that company like scammed people for years and nothing ever came out called as far as i know and if something ever did it bombed immediately but they were supposed to be like a streaming company like that and now you're all of a sudden you know a few years later you're starting to see companies actually doing that
0: This thing has, like, an NVIDIA Tegra one-core mobile processor with 2 gigabytes of RAM, and Tegra has, you know, their NVIDIA's GeForce GPUs inside of them. This one, 72-core, in this case, which...
2: It's a lot more than the previous Tegra 3. My fiancé's tablet is a... um, uh, Asus Transform Pad Infinity, the TF700T, and it's got a Tegra 3 in it, and the Tegra 3 is a very capable little little processor. It's it's a quad core with a backup processor, a gig of RAM. But the whole nine works. And uh, the Tegra 4 has improved so much on the Tegra 3's capabilities because, I, if if I remember correctly, the Tegra 3 only had 12 cores for the graphics side, just along just as, as similar as the Tegra 2 did. But now with the Tegra 4 having 72 cores, not only would you be able to play games natively on it, you can stream games to it and whatnot, just like with Nvidia Shield.
0: So, like, like we're going to see more people try their hand at mobile gaming or putting together game consoles, too, on, and everything else, and... That that's going to be very very interesting. Um, and speaking of gaming, um, uh, Linux based gaming, um, Tompkins, you've <laughs> said that you, you're thinking this is going to start taking off in the near near futures, thanks to Steam.
2: Yeah, I. I remember reading an article late in 2012 saying something about. 2013 is supposed to be the year of getting Linux gaming, and uh, I can agree to that with that to a state to a point. But I feel like that was a uh, step forward for Linux gaming. It's definitely a step forward considering that um, uh, the s- Steam OS came out, st- uh, Steam on Linux, on other Linux uh, operating systems. You've got um, other uh, companies supporting Linux for their games and everything else, I feel like this is going to lead toward you're going to have a move away from Windows. Windows PC sales have been going down if you've been keeping up with that at all. And Intel, a big chip maker, has decided to drop uh, from making x86 processors for Windows PCs for like the mobile space, and now they're going to ARM. If I'm not mistaken. So, maybe... There might be something along with that with uh, gaming on tablets. I mean, like like we just said, the NVIDIA Shield is a pretty crazy product. You've got things like the uh, uh, Razer has a gaming tablet where you can attach a controller to each side that's got dual analog sticks and your, your standard buttons and everything else. And it's an x86 tablet, just like uh, the Surface Pro, which... I believe the Razer tablet was about $100, and it came with, like, a Core i5, two or four gigs of RAM or something ridiculous, and 64 gigs of flash storage. I mean, it's just its crazy what things are going towards. And I feel like um, Chrome OS could probably even have some games coming out soon. And the PlayStation 4, I don't remember if we've mentioned this on a previous uh Previous podcast or not, but it's based around the uh, FreeBSD kernel.
0: Yeah, and I the episode zero where it was more of a pilot than anything else. We were talking about Steam when it was when it was out in beta land, basically. Basically, and and you you remembered some of the games that they had, and you're like, "Oh, you played a few of those." I'm taking it.
1: Um, yeah, the, yeah they had they had some of the games in that initial. I don't remember exactly which ones we discussed, unfortunately, but I know that that initial batch that we were looking at, there were some pretty good indie games that they had launched on Linux. so and that was the the problem I always had with Linux gaming was that nothing no companies hardly at all supported it. And now you're starting to finally see it's kind of like how Mac you know gaming was back in like like you know, not quite 10 years ago, well, more or less, I guess. Mid to
2: ten, uh, mid-2000s, yeah. something like that.
1: Nothing was available on Mac, and now you're seeing the, like Linux finally getting the nod. So it's starting to kind of even out to where Microsoft doesn't have the monopoly that it has had for so many years on gaming. People Because it used to be, you know, if you were wanting to play games on your computer at all, you pretty much were, you had to have Windows no matter what. So luckily that's spreading out a little bit. Well, Steam has really spearheaded that movement,
2: and I personally, have, when Steam started coming out with Steam for Linux, I was able to beta test it for I don't know how long, but I, I played Portal, which original, was one of the originally released games that Valve had released, yeah. uh, Half-Life, which um, has some ridiculously low um, requirements because cons- but that's mostly because it came out in, what, 98?
1: Yeah, it's, it's an older game. That was
2: when I was about seven years old, <laughs> perspective. Uh, but that along with uh, their newly released Dota 2, which came out in, I can't remember if it was late 2012 or early 2013, that's on Linux. Almost all of Valve's software is now on Linux. And it's just, I feel like this is going to go far, very far. Well...
0: And with Steam boxes and and Valve trying to do the experimental thing and say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't compartmentalize gaming consoles. Maybe we should create a standard for them and then let OEMs put them together with you know our OS, Steam OS, and everything else. Um, this is there are some people who are you know not seeing how it'll disrupt the market, but but you're ta- you're taking things out of Nintendo's hands, even Sony's hands, and even Microsoft's hands regarding consoles as well. So this things, I think, are going to get very interesting. Um, speaking of interesting and not boring, um, over overseas, we've got the how do you pronounce that? By the way, Sochi
1: Olympics. As far as I know.
0: Um, this is like the Winter winter Olympics, basically, right? Yeah. Um, um, there's been dire predictions over there because of... And we mentioned the Boston bombings, too, in yeah. the last episode. And that kind of ties into this one, too.
1: Yeah, I honestly think... You know, we're talking predictions for 2014. So there's um, I kind of went with my first choice, a uh, world event... And one of them, I, uh, that I honestly think has been, and this isn't just me pulling like some kind of like S- Sylvia Brown prediction out of the air or anything. <laughs> I honestly think there's going to be either an attempted terror attack or a some sort of like actual terror attack at the Sochi Olympics because um, Russia has to deal with Chechen extremists quite a bit. And that's if if, if you recall our last episode, we were discussing the Boston bombings and that's essentially who pulled off the Boston bombings were Chechen extremists and you've got over in the Caucasus mountains um there's a lot of people that live in the woods basically that are uh, uh, islamic extremists basically over there and recently there was a uh, like a terror attack on a uh, train station i believe by some suicide bombers and high ranking jihadis within the Chechen arm of, you know, these groups has been saying that they're going to do something at the Olympics. And, you know, I'll, I'll give it to Russia that they can probably pull off, you know, security and everything, but when, it, you know, these militants are saying this constantly, that something's going down and they have videos of uh, suicide bombers and everything, I honestly think something's going to happen. And I it's... You know, we don't need something like that. I mean, they they had their the, that terrorist attack in the was that the late seventies or the early eighties the with the uh, the Israeli team getting shot up and everything. I mean, they, a few Olympics, I believe that was late seventies, have had things like this happen, and it's never good because a lot of times they will target the af- where the athletes are, and it's just. Uh, You know, there's been a big rise this past year with, uh, especially in Africa, Islamic extremism. And it's, you know, it's a shame that it's happening the way it is, because it's just like, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. I mean, this year we had a shopping mall in Kenya get shot up. We had Boston bombings. Uh, Part of uh, um, a big city in Nigeria got attacked. You had... A few countries like Mali basically end up the French had to go down and uh, fight off attacks in Mali. So, I mean, it's it's looking pretty rough. And you can tell that a lot of these groups that may or may not be Al-Qaeda um, affiliated are planning these attacks to kind of coincide with each other.
0: So, like, the... Basically, this is going to get interesting. To me, I would wonder if I were to basically pull off an attack like this. Why? Why go out in the public and say well, we're going to basically we're going to blow shit up? We're going to blow shit up? That never made any sense to me.
1: Well, they're they're basically doing their typical scaremongering stuff. I mean, they're they basically said you know nothing's going to happen as long as you uh, retreat your your settlements out of where we are. Basically, you know this. This uh, ultimatum to try to get them to back out. It's kind of like how uh, it's a similar situation to how Israel has occupied Palestine, and so they the Palestinians shoot rockets across the border and stuff like that. Russia has to deal with basically the exact same situation where they are, and you know, and it's just it's. I hope nothing bad goes down, but I honestly think that something's going to happen because. In Russia, you know, they have, their intelligence is really good, but they have such a large country and different ways of getting into it. And Sochi is like a little mountain town. Not a little, but it's a it's a ski resort, basically. So I don't know. On the brighter side, though, one thing uh, with those Olympics to, to, to look into is, uh, did you guys hear that the Jamaican bobsled team is going to be there again this year? Uh, if you remember the the movie Cool Runnings from the early '90s, um, they it was the story of the Jamaican bobsled team, and they've actually gone to the Olympics a few times since then. But the cool thing is, is they actually are going because of uh, microtransact, like uh, the like kind of like how Bitcoin is a different kind of currency. <laughs> there was actually they qualified and they haven't qualified in a while because you know, the whole thing with the Jamaican bobsled team is that. They don't. Uh, they don't have snow in Jamaica, so for that team to exist is pretty crazy. <laughs> so they. Uh, that is pretty ridiculous. They qualified again. It's the first time they've qualified since I think the year 2000, <laughs> and they uh, they didn't have any money to go. So um, something similar to Bitcoin. It's a currency called uh, based on that internet meme uh, Doge or Doge, depending on I've heard it pronounced both ways. Mm-hmm. They have a thing called Dogecoin, and that, like, apparently the people that have that um, accumulated the equivalent of, like, $40,000 on that, and then con- are in the process of converting that to Bitcoin, and then later that to uh, cash, that way they can send the Jamaican bobsled team to oh, Sochi. Wow. So that, that'll be an interesting thing to look at. Huh. Wow. So I figured I'd throw in something something nice, and if you guys haven't seen that cool Runnings movie, it was a like one of John Candy's last movies. It was pretty oh, pretty interesting. John Candy was in it. Oh yeah, he played. That be a good movie. <laughs> I mean, it was it's a stupid comedy movie, but it was it was pretty good.
0: And with with if should something go down, you know there are going to be more than just TV cameras watching too, which uh, brings things around to my next prediction. Basically more there's going to be more new media on the rise. I've been noticing a kind of a trend where more people are getting tired of television networks and even some newspapers where they're looking at it and going, this is the same stuff. They're not talking about certain things, or they're leaving certain things out. And I was there. I know what happened, blah blah blah. And starting to see I'm, going to, I'm thinking more and more no, venues are going to be starting to pop up at some point, um, not necessarily those who sell out like the Huffington Post did, but, you know, they're going to have their own points of view and everything else, and that'll be refreshing in a market that's just been kind of, it needs to be crowded a little bit, um, like, like, I write for another website, and they're still kind of, they've been there for a while, but they're kind of getting ready to take off a little bit, um, Lee Field Report's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, But I have a feeling that's eventually going to start... That's going to... I'm thinking that may become the next BuzzFeed of sorts with actual content instead of constant lists all the time. (laughs) Um, Like, what do you see media-wise happening?
1: One thing that I also think is interesting, other than the, uh, the kind of small startup media companies, is there's... A push for there's a lot of like legit journalists that are going to. I noticed like a Al Jazeera USA. Have you noticed that there's been like some really big um, people that have been going to that because unlike Fox News, unlike CNBC, unlike MS, you know all those networks, they do the uh, just the fact style, which is what I prefer. I can't stand constant editorializing and. It's like, other than the fact that the right wing media um, demonizes the word Al Jazeera because they, the Guardian and other papers in the U- UK falsely uh, labeled them as the network that showed the headings on TV when it wasn't, and George W Bush bombed all their their media installations when we invaded Iraq and it just kind of he wanted a justification for that. They actually do like the old school. Just the facts type news. And I think we need more of that because there's a lot of, there's so much quote unquote news that people watch nowadays, like, you know, the show Fox and Friends and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And it's not news. It's a, it's a magazine show, but everyone thinks it's news. Or you have pundits like Rush Limbaugh and uh, Rachel Maddow and people like that that'll go on and like hour long diatribes about certain things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's quote unquote news. And I think a lot of the, this fa- like fake outrage that we've had lately, like the stupid Duck Dynasty thing, like is that's I could care less about that. Like I, that's not news to me. You know, that comes out the same day that uh, that Obama resigned the uh, the military package that basically uh, gives unlimited detention to people if, if they so choose.
0: Right. You didn't hear about
1: that because everybody was flipping out about Duck Dynasty.
0: Um, a friend of mine once joked to me, if you want to know when when lawmakers and when nefarious things are happening in the nation's capital, you know, start looking at that as soon as a celebrity scandal comes out. And, oh, yeah. uh, I've been noticing that pattern as well. Oh. And more and more people are getting fed up. You, you mentioned you mentioned, you know, a lot of, you know, people who are held in high regard and journalism going to say Al Jazeera America. They're also individuals such as Larry King, who was well-known, highly regarded, who was on CNN for many, many years, and now he's on RT America with his own show, Larry King Now. Yeah. And you're starting to notice, you know, kind of that. Then again, RT, you know, kind of depends on, you know, what the show is and everything else. You know, I kind of, I still look at them with a grain of salt because, you know, this, this is basically... Ru- this is, you know, it's from a pro-Russian perspective, but...
1: Yeah, and they have a little bit of baggage from the Cold War because they used to be like a a propaganda, like an English propaganda arm for Russia, but they've pretty much shaken that as far as I can gather. They don't do any of that kind of misleading stuff that they used to do, which is good. They've gone away from it.
0: Um, S- Stephen Tompkins, what do you think about new media? Do you see any more of it happening? Do you see anything happening with it at all
2: I, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna grow I, I, I know it's gonna grow it's um, just like you guys were mentioning about how uh, the media nowadays is focuses less on news but more on something that they dug up out of the trash and decided to report on it like for example the D- dynasty thing or uh, before that, it was uh, Meet the Kardashians. The, mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is with Meet the Kardashians. I don't even watch that much TV, to be honest
1: with you. Well, you've I, the Paula Deen scandal. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I, grew up, I grew up in a very liberal household, so I tend to lean to the left side of things, usually. But, my mom had a head on her shoulders as compared to some of the things that usually came out of my dad's mouth. So... Um, I, I learned to weigh the issues and growing up dad would always watch one specific channel usually channel 10 color 10 which was out of uh, Springfield oh yeah or, uh Joplin and um, he wouldn't watch KY3 because he absolutely hated them and uh, growing up I learned that that's probably not an easy way to focus on it regardless of whether it affected that uh, KY3 or Color 10 or whatever channel you watch is uh, right wing, left wing, whatever. Most media, most common media stations out there don't really focus on many issues. It'll be some like uh, there was one wreck that happened that was out in the middle of nowhere, and they decided to cover that because like three or four cars were in it.
1: <laughs> I understand that.
2: That is a bad thing, and we should try to prevent that better, or maybe that's why they were covering it, but there are honestly more important things going on, and there's a bigger picture out there that I think should be focused on, rather than tidbits here and there, little tiny things.
1: Yeah, like, as Americans, we seem to be so ignorant to world events half the time that I honestly wish that local news would at least pepper in, like, a couple stories that relate to the world, because you hear, the only time people hear about world news nowadays is depending on what their favorite cable news station decides to rant about. So any time you ever hear about world news is like when the Benghazi thing happened. All of a sudden, Fox News imploded because it was a giant scandal. You know, they want to make Hillary look bad for the election, so... 24-7 24-7 Benghazi, you know, was this a conspiracy against, you know, it's like, yeah, there's that That sucks, but do you need to devote six months of your time to that?
0: And by the same token, people getting overly outraged at the whole, which I'm not a fan of Chris Christie either. I, oh, I don't man, care. That, that
1: thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't care for him, but, but then all of a sudden you have the other end of the so-called spectrums. You know, you know, calling for beheadings, ba- well, metaphorically speaking, beheadings, because, you know, the whole bridge scandal and everything else, and over, over basically glorified traffic jams, basically, and it's just um, everything else, and it depends on who you, you know, what you want to focus on, depending upon what you're, you know, preconceived biases of today. And one of the reasons I don't refer to myself as a journalist is because I I've I've seen a pattern of, you know, extremism in that field too, to where you you have to completely separate yourself from reality and everything else and like, you know, you the only way there's no way objectivity is an illusion. You're not going to achieve it unless you live in a vacuum. The only thing you can do is be as, you know, not not the Fox News brand of it, by the way, but to be as fair as possible. Because at the end of the day, all you are is human. You're going to have your own observations in life. And the more media you have, the more perspectives you have, the more perspectives you have, the more rounded picture of things you'll have. Because I think... We've gotten to the point where you have people saying, oh, he's from he's from the newspaper, let him do the thinking for you. And I think we've headed down that path for far too long where people should least stop treating people like they're stupid and, and treat them like people who are capable of learning and observing on their own. Because it doesn't matter if you do it the full-blown AP style or or some other style, or just the fact style, people are going to form their own views no matter what.
1: Well, like, they recently had an article on, I believe it was uh, CNBC's website, where they were talking about the stock prices for the World Wrestling Entertainment Company, uh, because of the WWE Network, and there was this guy, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he wrote this article Um. Now, first of all, that company is owned by CNBC is owned by Universal, which is the, the company that owns USA, which is um, runs WWE Monday Night Raw. They uh, they should have had a disclosure at the beginning that said, "Hey, you know, full disclosure. We um, the company I work for also is in negotiations." Blah 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 blah. And despite the fact that WWE stock has been going up, and there's nothing but good buzz, other than from um, the only bad thing I've heard is that like cable companies that still stick to pay-per-views are mad at them because this uh, new thing they're doing the WWE Network is like a Netflix type deal where it's ten dollars a month and you get to watch everything like free pay-per-views and stuff. Uh, this guy from CNBC wrote wrote an article, and you know a news article of quotes where he basically spent the entire article making fun of wrestling fans as basement dwellers that live in their mother's basement and stuff like that. I thought that joke was reserved for geeks like me. Well, the thing is is like and then he he went he went the great lengths to be like, "You guys know it's fake, right?" And like, "Yes, everyone from 30 years ago on knows it's fake, moron." Like, you know, like, "Shut up and stop." Like it was just like you have journalists like that that come out of the gate with like completely like biased over the top view on something and like that's the kind of people that companies should stop, you know, having and yet those people cause fake outrage and they get clicks and ad revenue and stuff, so no, they're the ones that get, you know, brought in wholesale. It's just that kind of stuff needs to stop. I don't that makes me not want to like read news from people when they do stuff like that. It's not not this. I was personally offended by it or anything because I mean I was just like, "Way to go, dumbass," you know. <laughs> but it was just kind of like, "Wait a minute, this passes as news on CNBC like this, and it, it, it's by a producer of CNBC. Wow, you know, <laughs> way to go, bro. Yeah, it's it pretty ridiculous.
0: I'm looking at wrestlinginc.com. Looks like they have. I'm trying to see where the link is. Um, that they have this CNBC article. And it was Dave Meltzer. No, not Dave
1: Meltzer. No, he's a... The, the guy that wrote it, I can find his name here in a sec. Um, his name was like Lawrence something or other. I'll have to look it up real fast here. But yeah, he basically said, Good news for professional wrestling fans. No, it's not actually real. However, you can now enjoy Wrestling 24... 24- Hours a day, seven days a week from the comfort of your parents' basement. That was the first sentence of this article. Yeah, that's, that's a little... That's condescending as hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it was... I read that, and, you know, the collective groan that you, it probably heard... Actually, I just found the article here. Hold on.
0: It, it, Lawrence... Yeah, his name's Lawrence...
1: But, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty ridiculous that that was let through the whole thing. It's just kind of like it shows where old media is. Uh, Lawrence let Lewatin. Luit- and it's funny because if you go to his Twitter, apparently everybody, like, crusaded against him on his Twitter, and he got uh-huh. mad and, like, threw a big fit about it and was, like, retreating all the hate mail he was getting because he was, you know, being a troll and just feeding off of it, basically. So... It's well, fine.
2: from my perspective, um, things like Netflix, Hulu Plus, and then this new uh, world, uh, WWE site that they've come up with, i honestly, I have both Hulu Plus and a Netflix account. Yeah. And uh, the things that you can't get on Netflix, you can probably get on Hulu, and the things you can't get on Hulu, you can get on the other one. And then if there's
1: uh, people out there that want to watch like older wrestling uh, uh Specials, I'm pretty sure they're on there. Well, the thing with this that's the big disruption is that pay-per-views cost 40 to $50 each time. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, $600 a year is what it pretty much evens out to. You get all the pay-per-views with your subscription on this. So, you're, basically, WWE gets, because they, they have to split the pay-per-view market with all these different companies, they only get to keep, like, 50 cents out of each person's transaction, this way, it's only ten bucks a month, but they're keeping ten dollars. So if they get a million people that sign up to this, they're getting you know split across twelve pay per views. They're getting like a dollar per person per pay per view as opposed to fifty cents. So the paper, like Directv, is pissed at them because of this whole situation. But well, Directv can get over it. big yeah. company. But this they'll thing, survive. <laughs> this whole thing is disrupting their market, and it's it's funny because like. For once, WWE isn't in the past. And like CNBC is one of those old timey companies that looks at it and are like, you know, wrestling fans are dumb. They're not going to support anything. And like one of my predictions, this is a, a, unfortunately, I guess, a third prediction for me. I think that that guy's going to be eating his own words here pretty soon because I honestly think it's going to succeed.
0: And, not, and I'm honestly thinking about such a subscription, possibly. I don't know yet, but we'll see. Um, and, and who knows what devices and everything else, all oh, that stuff's going to be available phones, to...
1: game consoles, everything.
0: Speaking of devices, we, we kind of mentioned Chrome OS to a point, but, you know, Android kind of comes up in the mix as well. Um, there, there's been arguments back and forth about whether the two will kind of combine, converge, or meet in the middle or somewhere around there. Um, how, how would something like that happen?
2: Well, honestly, um, if, if you look... I've mentioned this before. If you look at uh, Canonical and what they're doing with Ubuntu, they're doing a cross-device convergence. And if you look at what Apple's doing, they have iCloud. And uh, I actually was able to get into a beta that they did for... You can log into your web browser to iWork, which was their numbers, Keynote, and all those applications, those work programs that you can use on your Mac or your iPad or iPod or whatever, you can use in a web browser. now. So they're kind of going with a sort of device convergence with their iCloud system and you can run apps on your Mac, you can run apps on your Apple TV, well, specific ones. You can run apps on your phone, your iPad, whatever. And they're doing a lot of things with that. And, uh, Windows is doing something as well. It, even as much backwards as got Windows 8. Windows uh, Phone 8 is literally Windows 8 on your phone without the desktop. You get a tablet, you've got Windows 8 with your desktop. You get a, you get a laptop, you've got same thing desktop you've got the same thing and I feel like eventually Android and Chrome OS are going to combine and just recently in the last few weeks or so Chrome has updated to version 32 and if for those of you who have a Windows 8 laptop computer or desktop or whatever if you log into your uh, switch over to your Metro interface, it brings up the Chrome OS interface, which is kind of a thing that Google's kind of just putting up in your face saying, hey, look at this, look what we've done. And that's something they've been working on this for a couple of years, but I honestly didn't expect them to come out with this on uh, their Metro interface. So uh, I feel like Android and Chrome OS are eventually going to converge, and you're going to get Android tablets that have some of the functionality as Chrome OS along with original android or you could get your phone that will be able to almost have a desktop google drive is one of the most amazing tools and we use it for our podcast for notes and other things and i use google drive to back up my i can back up my music to google music to google play music they have a music manager uh it's available on linux mac windows um there's uh, Google Drive where you can store documents. You can back up files from your computer, scripts. Uh, if you're a developer, it'll save save it as specific file names. It uses Microsoft documents, their own uh, specific Google doc- documents, and spreadsheets. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that is capable with a lot of Google software. And then the Chromecast has come out recently where you can stream... Videos from your uh, Chromebook, your Android tablet, your Android phone, your Chromebook Pixel, uh, any Google device that you have. I don't think it's available on a Windows PC, but uh, any Google device you have, you can stream it. And it's just ridiculous the possibilities that can happen between uh, Android and Chrome. And I feel like it's eventually going to merge.
0: And, I mean, the there's been talk for a while of mm, they'll, they'll kind of operate together but not necessarily be the same thing, I guess. I think, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like this big old convertible Android type device that can be detached from the keyboard, but when you dock it, it'll bring up the Chrome OS interface as well, so I, I see more of that direction happening, but... Still, um, whatever is going to happen, it's not going to be boring to say the least. Like, like uh, the other Stephen, I think he's—you're the only one that doesn't own a smartphone at this point.
1: No, I'm kind of a phone ludite. I don't really have the the the, the money for a data plan, and I don't honestly like the times I would use my phone. I'm I'm always at work, and I can't really have something like that at my job. Like I can, but I wouldn't be able to use it. So the point for me to have one is pretty much
0: no one point. Yeah,
1: like I'd just be wasting money. So I have an old school phone until you know, <coughs> if I get a different job where I actually can have my phone out and like use it as a planner or something, it'll be awesome. But right now, it's not like I'm against them or anything. It's just I don't have a need and I don't have time for it, really.
0: Yeah, pr- practical terms, and al- although it. Or- Companies like Straight Talk having like, you know, $45 a month plans and everything else. And T-Mobile doing what they're doing with their whole, quote-unquote, uncarrier strategy. That Who who knows what could happen in that area as well.
1: Oh, yeah, they're starting to realize that people aren't willing to pay $100 a month for cell phones. So AT&T and their kind of ridiculous practices are starting to get kind of taken down a little bit, it looks like probably going to hit Verizon, and it got
2: pretty hard, too, because I used to have a uh, Verizon payphone, and that was expensive. Oh, really? Because you can, I mean, you can get, like, a $50 boost card or whatever, and uh, you can have different plans based on what it was, but if you wanted a messaging plan, like, two years ago, it was, like, $10, $20 a month. Shoot. So it would automatically take that 10 or whatever, $20 out of your fund, whatever you had in there, if you browse the internet if you had if you had a phone that had internet capabilities but it wasn't a smartphone it would charge you like a dollar by the minute well if you uh wanted to if you you had so many minutes that you could use and then if you went over that then they charge you extra so i mean it's just all these things and verizon still i like verizon but some of the things that they do they have great service uh, the The LTE coverage is amazing. It's really fast, but you're limited. Yeah, you're limited to five gigabytes a month, and if you've got a family of four, Oof. that that five gigs is gone quick. And Verizon's going to be hurting because of companies like Straight Talk uh, T-Mobile has a division that works with Walmart called Walmart Family Mobile. That's I'm actually wrong. what I use. That's what I use as well. And uh, if you get a smartphone, which it's the same cost as if it was a like mobile phone or whatever, you get unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited talk, all for it's $45 a month and being a Walmart employee you can get discounts.
1: It helps me out a lot. <laughs> and my wife and I, we have two just standard phones and we pay 55 a month for unlimited talk and text for two phones. So that's a lot better than what we were paying before with AT&T.
0: Absolutely. And And I have a feeling that AT&T and Verizon, maybe T-Mobile, and possibly Sprint as well, um, depending upon if Sprint is somehow able to buy T-Mobile, which there's been rumors of that going around, and I don't know how that would work, because they use different technology for their networks anyhow. And they
1: have different towers and everything. It would be irritating.
0: Unless they were somehow, some way, able to retrofit one of the towers to do just one and that or whatever and phase one of the networks out or combine or combine the two or something who knows but um definitely definitely seeing more people save money on cell phone costs and more companies coming out with you know better prices uh which might leave people more money for things like uh maybe a PlayStation four, which um apparently that that they they may actually dominate the console wars from the looks of it, you were going over the numbers and of the units that were moving, and it's outdoing the Xbox one and it hasn't even completely launched worldwide yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in a past podcast, so I won't go on this for very long, but, you know, they did a a staggered launch for their systems. It doesn't even launch in its home country of Japan until the 22nd of February, and it already has almost double the sales. Like, currently, estimated global sales for the two consoles are that a PS4... Well, I guess it's not quite double, but PS4 currently has 4.6 million and the Xbox One has 3.2 million. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot but of a difference, but Xbox One is 3.2 million worldwide, whereas uh, the PS4 is 4.6 million in about three quarters of the places it was going to launch. <laughs> so that's not including the fact that most of Asia... Either just launched like this week or it uh, is getting ready to launch. And the problem, another thing that they have going is uh, they just announced uh, their back like a, a couple years ago, Sony had purchased a company called Gaikai, and they finally announced that they're going to call it PlayStation Now here in the United States. And it's basically like a Netflix type thing for their older games because there's no way, due to the architecture, of the new system to play, like, PS3 games and stuff on it. They would have to put a mini PS3 in there. It yeah,
2: it, just like with the uh, PlayStation 2 and the PlayStation 3, yeah. they'll have to put in an
1: emulator. And so instead of that, this new system is basically a cloud computing thing where you pay, like, 10 bucks a month. As far as I know, they haven't really hyped it up enough. They announced this at CES, but as far as I know, you pay, like, a, uh, a flat fee... And you, certain models of Bravia TVs, PS3, PS Vita, and other devices will all have access to this, where you can just play games on it. So they've basically done something that uh, Microsoft sort of did when it allowed Xbox games, certain ones, to be on the, the computer. But they've taken it to this new level because you're going to have people that can pay, you know, ten bucks a month on their TV without having any, you know, a TV with a controller basically, and they could play. PS2 games and stuff on it. So, I honestly think that just looking at this, you're going to see the PS4 move way far ahead of the Xbox. I don't think the Xbox is going to you know die or anything, but I honestly don't see them doing very well this console generation.
2: Well, you have to take into consideration, just like with the PS3 or uh, now the Xbox One or any of the other third gen consoles there's always that looming third gen console flop that everybody talks about yeah which is definitely what happened with the ps3 and it very well could be likely that that will is what will happen with the Xbox one
1: they got a little too arrogant about their place in the market and uh, they put out a system that most people don't want so if you look at the N64, that happened with it. The PS3 happened with it. You know, you've got possibly the Xbox. It just seems like a trend where every company gets a little bit ahead of themselves and puts out some giant monster system that does too much and does too much stuff people don't care about. and just.
0: <laughs> so, so, like, where does that leave Nintendo in the, the gaming market? Because, like... Looks like they're doing better on their handhelds than anything else. Oh,
1: Nintendo will dominate the handhelds like completely. I honestly, I hate to say this, but I don't. I mean, the Wii U is doing okay. It's but the problem is, is third parties don't want to make games for it because it's less powerful and it has the 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 screen on it is kind of gimmicky. Um, you know, the Wii destroyed the other two systems last time, but. Instead of innovating again, they basically made a second Wii, and that's that's always been Nintendo's problem. Is whenever they strike gold, they'll go out, They'll usually follow it up with kind of a bland system, like the GameCube. I, I love the GameCube, but all it was was an updated N sixty four, basically, and so they. They, I think that if when their next console will probably be something special again but I honestly unless the Wii U can pull some really good games out of nowhere I honestly don't see them doing a whole lot with it I uh, would not be surprised if the Wii U disappears here before too long now the 3ds the three there's no way the PS Vita is going to catch that it has a 85 percent market share over the Vita right I could, I
2: could I could agree with that without even having to work with the market share or anything else for I own the 3DS. I do, too. And if I go on campus, I'm getting street pass pass tags everywhere.
1: I I know of two people that have a Vita, and they have it. One person uh, I know does not play theirs. And The only thing that might help the Vita is if the Vita TV comes out in America. I could see software sales going up because people will start buying. The Vita TV is going to be like a little uh, thing that hooks into your TV, and you can play Vita games on it. It's basically like a micro system. Um, if that actually comes out in America, I could see software sales for the Vita going up. But hardware sales, it's too expensive. It does way more crap than people care about. And it, uh, it blows through batteries. I mean, it, it does every, it's the story of, you know, you always have, like, the Game Boy. Game Boy came out and it was black and white, but it had Tetris and other stuff. Well, companies were like, look at this chump system with its black and white. We're going to put out the Atari Lynx. It has one hour of battery life. And or the game gear. <laughs> you have to plug it into the wall to actually enjoy playing it. And all those systems bombed because they uh, they tried to make a home console that was handheld, basically. Nintendo knows exactly what it's doing with handhelds. And all these companies that try to make like mini Xbox 360s and stuff, basically, as handhelds, don't understand, and they need to get their their stuff together because.
2: Well, the thing is, is just with the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance, any of the the handheld series that Nintendo has had, it's an extremely low power device. And for those who remember that the Game Boy was powered on AA batteries. Yeah. So you and I don't remember the actual battery life, but I know it could last forever. You could sit there and play and play and play
1: and play. And, I had rechargeables at the time, and I, th- I, th- I had the old Game Boy, the big one, and I, you could get about, depending on the game, you could get five, six hours worth of battery out of one set of them, which is a lot better than the two hours that the Game Gear gave you. Exactly. And, you know, I also had a wall charge thing, so if I needed to, if I was going to be at home, I'd just plug that into the wall and just play it there. Um, that's like, I have a 3DS XL, and that thing lasts forever.
2: Yeah, I've got one in my backpack right here, right now.
1: And it's, you know, for the kind of stuff that that system can do. I mean, if you have the 3D on and other stuff, it will drain the batteries oh, yeah. really quickly. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not nearly as big of a, a situation.
0: So, like, so like Nintendo's going to be more mobile for a while, and then, and then they'll probably come out with something maybe that's actually halfway decent and everything, again, getting...
1: Well, like it's it's not that the Wii U is bad by any means, but they, the Wii, uh, benefited from its disruptive nature. You know, it, it got people that would have never played a game to play games. There were old people playing Wii bowling, and you know, like right. I'm talking like elderly people that were buying them to play Wii Wii bowling and stuff like that. They tapped into markets that they never gaming companies have never tapped into. The problem was is they did that at the expense of hardcore gamers. The problem is with the Wii U; those old people that play Wii Bowling, if they still even play it, will just keep their copy of Wii Bowling. They're not going to buy another system again to get that to, to get a slightly different experience. So that market, you know, was like a, a, a gold mine there for one generation, but now it's dried up. They were they've been trying to get you know third party companies on board and everything, but they've alienated them since the last system. So it's just kind of this situation. Nintendo is a little too controlling on third parties, and they need to, you know, for years they didn't want to put games online. They put a cumbersome frame code system in a lot of their old systems. They, uh, you know, you could only talk to people in weird ways. They, the Wii didn't have a microphone until way late into the game, and it was a crappy thing that you hooked on top of your uh, sensor bar and it didn't work very well.
0: Oh, wow. They have
1: they have this, they want to control everything and if a third party has an idea, it's not always well received. So it's led a lot of companies to just refuse to work with them. They're going to need to rebuild that bridge because Sony has basically stepped in and reclaimed all of that territory that they lost last generation.
0: So, so if anything, do you, do you see a possible stationary console where it combines the best of Wii with the best of old school type of stuff as well?
1: Well, I mean, they already have that. The, 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 those old, the new systems all have, like, where you can download old Nintendo games and I, stuff on them.
0: I mean, like, where things are more controller-based and everything else, as opposed to waving your hands around all the time.
1: I would not be surprised if Ni- Nintendo innovates. Sometimes they innovate too much, like the Virtual Boy. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they're the first system to do the that virtual reality stuff that they're working on. Uh, what the Oculus Rift and that what the it's Oculus called.
2: Oculus Rift. Yes. Uh, they've done the thing where they integrated the Oculus Rift with uh, Steam hardware, and it's supposed to be able to like work with the Steam OS or something. I think, but uh, you can like play Half Life 2. With the Oculus Rift, and you just you hold some like gun thing along with this big old visor thing that goes over your face, and <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: I would not, you know, and I don't know necessarily if that's the right path, but I don't think Nintendo's just going to make another like re- like regular console. I mean, you know, the We Use a second screen thing, and you're starting to see all the systems copy them like they always do, where you've got. <laughs> um, the new Xbox, you can hook it up to um, a second screen, and the same thing with PS3. So, I mean... You can, you can even hook it up to your smartphone.
2: Oh, yeah. They've got an app on on the Android
1: market, and I think it's also on the iOS market called Smart Glass. Yeah. You can use your phone as your controller. So, I, I honestly... I think the next step in gaming is going to be more immersive, um, whether that means virtual reality type stuff or not, you know... I don't see Nintendo just throwing out a, a, like a basically, because a, there'd be no reason if they put out a PS, like what, what's basically just a PS4 that plays Mario games, they might as well just switch to being a software company at that point because there's no reason. So I honestly think that they will go ahead and, I, I, you know, I don't know when it'll be or anything like that, but I think that they're going to do something different.
0: Do you think Sega will make a comeback in the console market?
1: I don't think so. They lost so much money with the uh, with like the Dreamcast and everything that um, it. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question completely, but I think they are they're pretty much set in their ways as a software company at this point, and like anything that uh, it, I think it's just kind of wishful thinking for people, unfortunately, and like you know the market right now. Is, it can't really justify more than you know the amount of systems that we have, so them to suddenly put a fourth contender in there, I think that'll just make fans mad. Well, a lot of
2: Sega games are on the Nintendo market. Like oh, yeah. Sonic, uh, your Sonic Hedgehog games, or uh, anything related to that, all those are on... You can get the old virtual uh, games on the virtual console, or uh, they've released the newer games for... GameCube that started, I think it started back with the GameCube is when they really started have, just working primarily with Nintendo.
0: Well, um, th- this this episode's been like, we, we've gone fairly far over, but we covered a lot of good topics and everything else. Next episode, we, we'll get more into new media and how to get started, and some pitfalls to avoid when doing that. Um, Our website is thenextreport.com. If you want to leave feedback for this show and other shows, uh, feel free to leave a message in our inbox at 660-474-0345. Leave us a message. You could be on the next episode where we cover your feedback. And we are also all over the place on social media. Our website, thenextreport.com, lists all our social networking sites in the left bar. Um, Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.